In what has been a rarity so far this spring, the Orioles actually had spring training games that were televised on back-to-back -back days. Now, both of them, of course, were not on Masson, but one of them on Tuesday was, which means a lot of you finally got to watch the O's this spring training. So we'll break down what I saw in those two spring training games, plus talk about some Orioles roster cuts coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023, and welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to take a look back at the last two Orioles spring training games against the Phillies on Monday and the Red Sox on Tuesday. Both games were televised. Monday's game by NBC Sports Philadelphia, and surprisingly, Tuesday's game was broadcast on Masson. So I got to actually see some Orioles spring training baseball on back-to-back -back days. So I'll get you the five things you need to know from each of those two games as we creep closer and closer to opening day. And then at the end of the pod, we'll talk about the five roster cuts that the Orioles made earlier this week and where that leaves their roster as they get closer to having to make those opening day roster decisions. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Before we get there, though, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all listening platforms, and we're also here on YouTube. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube page. But let's jump right into it. We will start with Tuesday, the game that a lot of you, you know, if you had the time, actually did get to watch. The second of three Orioles spring training games aired on Masson this spring. Of course, that is the lowest number in all of Major League Baseball, tied with the Nationals, also on Masson. But you got one on Tuesday. It was Orioles and Red Sox at Ed Smith Stadium in Sarasota. And the Orioles won it 6-2. It's also a very quick game. Two hours and 15 minutes. Thank you to the pitch clock right there for getting that one over. But I'm going to start by getting you the five things you need to know from the Orioles spring training win over the Red Sox on Tuesday. The first thing you need to know is that Cole Irvin was very efficient and was very much in the strike zone in what is most likely probably his penultimate start of spring training. Irvin in this one did pitch into the sixth inning. He became the first Orioles starter this spring to pitch into the sixth inning. However, didn't get an out in that sixth inning, came out in the sixth and gave up back-to-back -back doubles. But still, he goes five innings. He allows two runs on the day and when he came out of the game, he was only at right about 65 pitches. Brandon Hyde said afterwards the plan was for Irvin to go five innings, but because his pitch count was right around 60 after five innings, he wanted Irvin to throw more pitches, and instead of sending him to the bullpen immediately, he just put him back out there in the sixth. Now, Irvin gave up back-to-back -back doubles to start the sixth inning. He came out, and then he did still go into the bullpen and throw more pitches to kind of get to that number that he wanted to get to. But really the reason why this game was so quick besides the pitch clock and the reason why Irvin's pitch count was so low into the sixth inning is because he's just around the strike zone all the time. He can be efficient. He can throw a lot of strikes and still be Pretty good, five-plus innings, two runs on seven hits, three strikeouts and no walks. The only other run he allowed in this one was in the fourth on Adam Duvall's solo home run. And as I mentioned, the back-to-back -back doubles 
in the sixth, got the other run across, but you know, he wasn't throwing super hard. He was right around 90-91, which you'll usually see from Irvin, maybe 92, but you know, he was dropping in the breaking pitches, the change-up, the different fastballs, and he was just mixing things up against a Red Sox order that was it was major league caliber. It wasn't an MLB lineup by any stretch. It was mostly guys that'll be jumping back and forth between AAA and the majors this year. I would say the top six were major league caliber players at least. So it wasn't the greatest lineup, but it's just refreshing to see a guy like Cole Irvin go out there and he's just going to pound the strike zone. And I said this on the Locked On Orioles Twitter account on Tuesday, that because Irvin does this and he doesn't have the greatest stuff in the world, he's going to get hit around in a few of his starts this year. Like he's going to have a few ugly starts for the Orioles this season. But by and large, he's going to pitch deep into games, he's going to keep his pitch count down, he's going to stay healthy and available, make 30-plus starts, throw 180-plus innings, and that's what he's done the last two years for Oakland, and that is why the Orioles traded for him. So yeah, he's not an ace, but he's certainly helpful, and he's just not afraid to attack guys, doesn't walk guys, and always in the strike zone. Second thing you need to know from this one is that Adley Rutschman homered in this game for his fourth spring training homer. And this one was from the right side against one of the nastiest lefties in baseball in Chris Sale. And the reason why that's a good thing is that really the number one struggle you can point out for Adley Rutschman in his 2022 rookie season is his stats batting from the right side. The switch hitter was amazing from the left side, but Adley hit only 174 from the right side with a 265 slugging percentage. He only hit one home run right-handed in 2022, so it was nice to see him jump all over a Chris Sale fastball and take it out for a home run in the first inning of this game. One of two homers in the first, Adley and Mountcastle each had one against Chris Sale and it's just nice to see, and we know we've heard from Adley kind of his number one thing this offseason was working on the production from the right side. He was actually better. His hitting numbers were better from the right side in the minor league, so it wasn't a, a big concern after last season. Now, if he goes a whole nother season and he's bad from that side, then you start to make it a concern after 2023, but I think he'll be fine, and this was certainly a good sign. Third thing you need to know is that, well, it wasn't just Adley and Mountcastle. It was the entire Orioles lineup jumping all over Chris Sale in this game. The Orioles got two in the first, three in the second, and one in the third off of Sale, who seems to be back to being healthy, but he allowed six runs on nine hits over five innings with the two homers, just two strikeouts and one walk for Sale against this Orioles lineup. They had a three-run second. Jorge Mateo had a big double in that second inning, looking good going the other way bringing in a run in this one. And it was just kind of fun to see the Orioles just attack Chris Sale the way that they did. And he's been a guy who's dominated them in the past. But Kyle Stowers had a two-run single. They got a couple runners on in the third and got a run in. They were hitting Sale hard. They weren't swinging and missing a whole lot. That was nice to see for this offense. Fourth thing you need to know from this one is that as we switch it over to the Orioles' left-handed pitching, CNL Perez looked absolutely nasty in this game. And Perez really hasn't had a hiccup so far in spring training through a 1-2-3 inning in the sixth coming in to relieve Cole Irvin with a couple of strikeouts straight at a runner at second base. Perez has a 1.50 ERA this spring after the lefty had a 1.40 ERA for the Orioles led the team last year. And I've talked about how he might be due for regression. He had the biggest difference between his actual ERA and his expected ERA of any pitcher in baseball in 2022. And I just thought that with all the command issues he had had in Houston and Cincinnati, maybe he'd take a step back. But the stuff looked amazing. The slider was absolutely ridiculous in this one. Got his two strikeouts on that pitch. 
Uh, got a lefty and got a righty with that slider in the sixth inning of Tuesday's game. His stuff still looks good. The fastball's high velocity, and I'm excited to see him in the Orioles' bullpen once again this season. And speaking of the Orioles' bullpen, the fifth and final thing you need to know from Tuesday's game is that quietly Joey Crable threw another scoreless inning. He goes 1-2-3 in the seventh inning of this game. And now, granted, there wasn't a lot of big league hitters left that he was facing. But Crable, after those two disastrous appearances to open up his spring training where he gave up four homers and he'd given up like eight combined runs in those appearances, Joey Crable quietly has now put together five consecutive scoreless appearances out of the bullpen since those two blowups. And granted, a good amount of those appearances have come later in games when it's been more so AAA hitters than major league hitters out there for the opposing teams, but he's still putting up zeros. Now, it's definitely helping his case to try and make the opening day roster in the bullpen. I still think he's certainly on the outside looking in. But while before I kind of considered him as no chance, I think five straight scoreless at least puts him back in the conversation to maybe grab that final spot with Dylan Tate injured. Um, I think there's certainly guys ahead of him like Andrew Politti and Mike Bauman, but he's got a better chance at least at this point. So Tuesday's game was a win for the Orioles, but if we backtrack to Monday, which was also televised, that one didn't go as well. They gave up a lot of runs and they lost to the Phillies. But still a lot of takeaways from that spring training game. So I'll get you the five things you need to know from Monday's game. That is coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The tournament is heating up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, and it's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain. For me, in the tournament on FanDuel a couple months ago, I put down a Tennessee to win the national championship bet. Now, it didn't look good when they lost their starting point guard, but they took down Duke. They're into the Sweet 16. They have a favorable road to the Final Four right now. They play great defense. If they just hit some shots, Tennessee could win it. So maybe you look at the Vols. And plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So the Orioles got a nice-looking quick win on Tuesday. Monday, not so much the case. They lost 14-6 in their spring training game on the road against the Phillies. But the good thing about Monday was that that game was also televised. Now, Tuesday was on mass and Monday was not. But NBC Sports Philadelphia, which has broadcasted most of the Philly spring training games this spring, broadcasted that one as well. So we got a look at some more Orioles in the 14-6 loss, and I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from Monday's spring training game. And the first thing is, well, Kyle Bradish got absolutely destroyed in this game. And it was weird for Bradish because he had probably been the Orioles' best starter so far in spring training leading up to this point. But Bradish against a Phillies offense that they put together a lineup that was about seven of nine legit major leaguers for the Phillies. Kyle Bradish goes two and a third innings, allowing nine runs on nine hits, two strikeouts and a walk. He threw 64 pitches and allowed seven hard hit balls. He actually had to come out of the game 
in the second inning because it was getting so bad. Then they re-entered him in the third inning because you can do that in spring training, and it got bad again, and they had to take him out. All in all, it was not good, and it was really weird because he had a 1-2-3 first inning with a couple of strikeouts and then gave up seven runs in the second. So not great stuff for Kyle Bradish, but listen, he'd been great all of spring training. This was one kind of blow-up outing, and it's spring training. And also Bradish said after the game that he was experimenting with a new set position for his hands, was holding his hands a little bit higher up on his stomach, and said after the game, yeah, it didn't work. Basically, he's not going to go back to it. Now, velocity was a little bit down on his fastballs, so maybe a, a tad bit concerning, but, you know, you can't take too much out of it. Now, he did only get four whiffs on 28 swings. You can tell that when you give up nine runs. You're not going to miss a whole lot of bats giving up nine runs. It was just a bad day for Bradish. You're going to flush it. I am going to care more about his great outings earlier in spring training. He's going to be in this Orioles rotation, and I'm still very excited to see him pitch this season. Second thing you need to know is that D.L. Hall's stuff looked good as he made his spring training debut on Monday. It was exciting to see Hall, who you know was late to ramp up because of that little back issue, finally get into a spring training game on Monday. He goes an inning and two-thirds, allowing three runs, although only one of them earned on three hits. He struck out four and walked one in this game, throwing 44 pitches and only allowing one hard-hit ball. Essentially, you know, two unearned runs was a bad error by Curtis Terry at first base in this one. Didn't get a lot of help from his defense at all in the inning and two-thirds that he pitched. But really what you're looking at is strikeouts, which four of the five outs he recorded were strikeouts. That's pretty fun to watch. Four of the first six batters he faced, he K'd. And you're looking at the stuff. Now, velocity was a little bit down. He was sitting at about 94 with the fastball, got up to 96, whereas his average in the big leagues was 96 last year. But that's to be expected in your first legitimate outing in spring training. Everything else looked pretty much similar. The breaking stuff looked good. He did get 10 whiffs, including still got five on the fastball despite the velo being down, and he got four on his changeup, which was nice to see. He threw mostly fastballs. 26 of the 44 pitches, did mix in the change, the slider, and a few curveballs as well. But generally, just good to see him get out of there healthy. He said he was feeling healthy after his appearance. The stuff looked good. And now the question just becomes, as we continue to talk about, do the Orioles put him in the bullpen to open the year, or do they put him in the rotation in AAA Norfolk? Still not sure what they're going to do. I'm leaning AAA Norfolk, at least what I think they're going to do. What I think they should do is put him in the big league bullpen. But we will see as he gets a few more appearances here in big league spring training. Sticking in the bullpen, the third thing you need to know is that Felix Bautista briefly lost his command in this appearance, but it was also kind of similar to Kyle Bradish in that he was working on something as well. Bautista made his third appearance of the spring, went two-thirds of an inning, did not allow a run, kind of luckily, because he did walk three batters and strike out one, throwing 24 pitches. But Andrew Politti, who we'll talk about in a second, came in and got Bautista out of the jam to uh, allow him to put up a zero. Now, in terms of the stuff for Bautista in the 24 pitches that he threw, fastball velocity was a little bit down. He was sitting more 97 to 99. He's more of an averaging 99 guy. And splitter velo was down as well, but he got five whiffs. And he talked about after the game how he was working on his delivery. And that's kind of why, you know, the, the walks were there. He's been worried that he's tipping his pitches a little bit because his hand position on his delivery is consistently a little different between the fastball and the splitter, obviously his main two offerings. He did throw two sliders in this 
this one, but he said his body feels good, you know, ramping up from the knee injury last year and then the arm fatigue he was dealing with. And it looks like, despite this, that he's going to get this wind-up thing fixed. And he is on track, it looks like, at this point, to be ready for opening day. He's going to pitch in a game again on Thursday. That would be his fourth of the spring. The Orioles initially said they wanted him to get in four or five spring training games to be ready. He'll almost certainly get into a fifth and could pitch in a sixth. But either way, I think he's going to be good to go for next Thursday. Fourth thing you need to know from this one is that I just mentioned it, but Andrew Politti continued to make his opening day roster push. Politti came in to relieve Bautista with the bases loaded, got a big out, and then pitched a scoreless inning in the next inning as well. All in all, Politti, an inning and a third scoreless, no hits, no strikeouts, did walk a batter, but other than that, pretty efficient. Four outs on 16 pitches for the Rule 5 right-hander, for the Orioles and Politi stuff, you know, he went cutter, curveball, four seam fastball. It was seven cutters that was his most used pitch on the day. That was where his only whiff came was on that pitch, then six curveballs and two four seamers. Now, for Politi, you know, you're looking at a cutter 87 89, curveball at 79, fastball was 93 94 on the day. The stuff has been solid, it's been usable. I don't know if I'm still sold yet, but. Because he's a Rule 5 draft pick and because the O's are going to want to get a, a longer look at him before deciding whether or not they want to return him to the Red Sox, I think he has maybe somewhat of an inside track on making the opening day roster in that final bullpen spot. And obviously, scoreless appearances are only going to help him. And then the fifth and final thing you need to know from this one is that Gunnar Henderson hit like Gunnar Henderson in this game. And there's been a little bit of talk about are we worried because his bat was super slow at the beginning of spring training He's heating up once again. Henderson going one for two with a home run and two walks and two hard hit balls as he got the start at shortstop in this game. And listen, Gunnar Henderson just just mashed the baseball in this one. No better way to put it than he was swinging it well. And, you know, he wasn't looking himself early in spring training, but the home run went 417 feet, 100 miles per hour off the bat. Also hit another ball hard, although it was on the ground earlier in the game and he's mashing had a triple earlier in the week as well he looks good he's ready he'll be in the lineup every day it's going to be a fun season for Gunnar Henderson and we know Gunnar Henderson is going to be on the opening day roster but we did learn earlier this week that there were a few guys who will not be on this opening day roster the Orioles made five roster cuts early in the week to get the spring training roster down to 46. And although none of these guys were super surprising, a few of them did have a chance to be on the opening day roster. So we'll talk about who was cut and why they were coming up after this. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Ultimate Baseball GM. Now, I love our new partner and the new sponsor on today's episode, the mobile game Ultimate Baseball GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an MLB GM and managing a professional baseball franchise, well, your dream can come true with this mobile game. You manage every aspect of your team, play through the season, lead your team to glory. You're setting the lineups. You're hiring the right coaches and staff. You're putting together a pitching rotation. You're handling free agency. You're making trades. You're signing international players. You're scouting players. Players and doing the MLB draft, you know, you're going through the trade deadline, everything you need to do, you're getting goals set by your owner, you have to meet them, and, and you can get fired as well if you don't do a good job, but it's a challenging and realistic game world, it doesn't really drain your battery either on your phone, and you don't need Wi-Fi to play, you can play it on your phone anywhere. 
And Locked On Orioles listeners, you can get a 100% free boost to your franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probaseballgm.com. Scan the code or look it up on the app stores. That's probaseballgm.com. Ultimate Baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. So to finish out today's episode, just want to talk about a couple of roster cuts that the Orioles made earlier this week as they sent Nick Vespi, Bruce Zimmerman, Lewin Diaz, Darwin Zin Hernandez, and Mark Colesbury down to minor league camp, cutting the camp roster down to 46 now, although that roster does include two injured players in John Means and Dylan Tate. So basically still 44 players competing for 26 spots on the opening day roster when the Orioles Go to Boston for opening day, just eight days away now on Thursday, March 30th. And there's still a a solid number of those 44 guys who we feel like, yeah, they're not making the roster. And there's a solid amount of the 44 guys who are stone-cold locks on the roster as well. So there's kind of a middle ground where guys are still competing. But wanted to start with Nick Vespi because I feel like out of the five guys that were cut earlier this week, Vespi probably had the best chance to make the opening day roster. Now, it was an outside chance. But he had the best chance. I think the big thing that hurt him was he had hernia surgery earlier this offseason, and it set his timeline back just a little bit to pitching in games. Now, he has already pitched in a few spring training games coming back, but it still did kind of, you know, stunt his ramp up this season. And while he was going to be ready for opening day, maybe not fully ready. So because although he's on the 40-man roster, Vespi does have minor league options left. It was the smart thing to do to just have him start the year in the AAA bullpen. He'll pitch in high leverage, could potentially be the closer for the Norfolk Tides. And then after a few appearances, uh, the O's will certainly give Vespi a look. And, uh, you know, they'll see if he can help them because he was very much an up-down guy, you know, exhausted all of his options for the year last year. But he definitely helped the Orioles in the major leagues. And remember, did not give up a run in AAA last year. So we'll see if he does that again. And if he does, he'll be a part of the big league bullpen at some point this season. Bruce Zimmerman was also option. He came into camp as one of the 12 starting pitching options for the Orioles, and that list has now been cut down to eight with Zimmerman going to AAA. He was really good to start the year last year and then just fell apart and spent most of the rest of the season in AAA Norfolk. I think we all knew he really had maybe a slim outside chance of making this team, maybe more so even as a reliever than a starter. But he'll be in the rotation in AAA Norfolk to start the year. And if he pitches well, like he'll have a chance to move up into the big league rotation if they need a starter, whether it's injury or an extra game or whatever it may be at some point. But it's going to be tough to Zimmerman to reestablish himself as a main piece of the rotation moving forward. I mean, he's really going to have to pitch well this year, but he's still going to be in the organization. He's still in the 40-man roster at this point, and he is still certainly in the mix. Lewin Diaz was optioned as well, one of the first of that group of kind of backup first base left-handed hitting types to be optioned. It was tough for Diaz, who had a shoulder injury and hasn't played in about a week. That basically cut any chance at all of him making the opening day roster. So hopefully for the Orioles' sake, he'll be in AAA. He's an elite defensive first baseman. They'll continue to work on his swing and and hope he can be something for them uh, at some point this season. But first, he needs to get back on the field and heal that shoulder injury. Darwinson Hernandez is not surprising. Left-handed reliever who was DFA'd by the Red Sox earlier this offseason. Orioles acquired him in a trade for cash. Hernandez was with Team Venezuela at the WBC for a couple weeks, so wasn't even in camp. 
And because of his control issues, he has pitched in the bigs a good amount with the Red Sox over the last few years, but he's got command issues. He was kind of bad last year. He was always going to start the year in AAA, and then the O's are going to try to fix that command issue. And then Mark Colesbury is not surprising at all. He's right now probably the fourth catcher in the organization, Adley being number one, James McCann number two, and then Anthony Bemboom most likely is that number one option to come up if someone were to get hurt. Then I put Colesbury fourth. He'll be you know in a catching tandem with Ben Boom, and maybe Maverick Hanley uh, in AAA Norfolk. So as I said, 46 players, 44 healthy uh, in camp right now. Got to get it down to 26. When they put John Means on the 60-day injured list to start the year, that will open up one spot on the 40-man roster. So one of these non-roster invites still could make the team and have that spot open. But, uh, you know, those those chances are getting slimmer and slimmer. We're getting closer and closer here to opening day. But that'll do it for today's episode. I'll be back tomorrow talking more Orioles spring training. It looks like actually another televised game coming up on Wednesday, not on Masson, but there is ways to watch it. We'll talk a bit about that as the O's get closer and closer to opening day as they continue to fill out what the rotation will look like, maybe some more roster cuts to talk about, and uh, maybe a little WBC talk because I am recording this before first pitch of the USA Japan Championship game of the World Baseball Classic. Cedric Mullins finally in the starting lineup again. He's playing left field and hitting eighth in the starting lineup for USA in the championship game so cool to see him get that chance so don't blame me if Mullins does something amazing and wins the championship for USA and I don't talk about it I'm recording before the game starts we'll certainly get to it on tomorrow's episode but until then I'm Connor Newcomb and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day